Well, let's go ahead and, and jump into our Bible reading today. Uh, let's uh, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, and let's stand in the honor of reading the Word of God. We'll begin here in Matthew 6, and then we'll continue looking at what we've been looking at. Uh, Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9, the prayer of our Lord here. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. So we've been looking, let's continue, we've been looking at this, uh, at the fear of, of the Lord. We've been looking at the fear of the Lord, one, because it's an, it's an important subject. Uh, two, for, for what we've been doing in going through the, the uh, a study on prayer, and then the Lord's prayer in particular, down in this last request that we make of the Lord that He would deliver us from evil, we saw that, that part of, of, an important part of spiritual warfare is the fear of the Lord. That we need the fear of the Lord in order to be delivered from evil. It's part of the way that we please the Lord, and that's what a good soldier does. You want to be a good soldier in the battle, uh, spiritual battles, you've got to please the one who enlisted you. And we saw that what it pleases the one who enlisted us is that we would fear Him. That it pleases the Lord when we fear uh, the Lord. But another reason we've been looking at it and spent so much time, not just because there's over 100 verses that talk about it, not just because it fits the subject that we're looking at, but because it's often so misunderstood. The fear of the Lord is, is a misunderstood uh, sort of theme in Scripture. Really not misunderstood. It's just not understood. Not misunderstood. Normally, we don't understand it at all. It's not, it's not that we've got a bad definition of the fear of the Lord. Typically, we don't have a definition at all. Uh, and so normally most of the problems with the fear of the Lord and, and our understanding of it isn't fixing bad definitions for us, but just giving us a definition uh, whatsoever. And so we've, we've been, we worked through the text, our, our simple definition of the fear of the Lord that we've worked out from those uh, various passages for about three weeks to get the definition uh, is to, to have faith in God because you are amazed by His glory and His holiness is to fear the Lord. Right? So to have faith in God, because you are amazed by His glory and His holiness. That's what it means to fear the Lord, um, at least inwardly. And we could stop there. It would be easy to stop there and go, look, okay, we've got a definition. We know when we see the fear of the Lord those hundred times, and we know we don't have to say, well, it's not really fear, uh, that we can have a good, biblically rich definition pulling in all those parts that the Lord used to describe those who fear Him, what's going on on their insides. We could stop there and be like, okay, now we understand what the fear of the Lord is, but the, the Bible doesn't stop there because the fear of the Lord is not something that is just solely inward. It's not just an attitude. Yet the fear of the Lord, that, that, that our affections are meant to breed action. That, that when we have this, this inward recognition is meant to result in an outward reaction to these things. So if we fear the Lord, if we truly fear the Lord on the inside, if we are, if we do have faith in Him because we're amazed by who He is, we're amazed by His glory, we're amazed by His holiness, we fear the Lord. If that's true, then it will affect how we live. And so we've looked at the Bible telling us, okay, this is how those who fear the Lord live. Those who fear the Lord, they do this. If you fear the Lord, you will do this. 
If you're doing this, you don't fear the Lord. Those who fear the Lord do not do this. So that's what we're starting to look at. Not just what does it mean internally to fear the Lord, but if we fear the Lord, what will be present and what will be absent in our lives? That all of us can say, oh yes, that's me. I am in awe of his glory. I am in awe of his holiness. But the, but the true barometer for whether or not you fear the Lord is going to be seen in your actions. All of us will say, oh yes, God is, God is amazing. I'm amazed by him. I have faith in him because I'm so amazed by him. Oh, he's so glorious. He's so holy. I fear the Lord. But the Lord makes a point of saying, all right, if that is true, this is what we'll see in your life. This is what we'll see in your life. And so last week, you know, we looked at what sort of things should we see uh, for this good barometer and, and good accountability in, in spiritual warfare. You want to be a good spiritual warrior, you need, to, you need to have these things. You want to be prepared for the fight against the evil one. And so last week, we, we began looking at uh, just one of those actions, and we looked at those who fear the Lord, uh, the, the fear of the Lord results in an outward praise of God. Uh, praise and worship. If you fear the Lord, it will result in praise. Those who fear the Lord, praise the Lord. It just happens. And they praise the Lord loudly. <laughs> they praise the Lord publicly. They praise Him in the congregation. They praise Him when they're alone. They praise Him in the congregation of the people. They declare His glory to the nations. That the volume of our praise is equal to the value of our God. If your God is great, then the, your praise will be loud. If your God's not so great, your praise might be mumbled. And we prayed that we would not be a people whose praise sounded like the rumblings of many mumblings, rather the roaring of many waters. This next one, we've got, that's not all that the fear of the Lord is said to be. This next one is born out of that same idea, comes uh, really off the idea that it is faith in God because He is these things. Faith in Him, that you hope in His steadfast love, you believe in Him. Because He is these things, because He is amazing. He's, he does have amazing glories, amazing holiness. This is sort of built off of that, or at least tied to it. We're going to see today, and one of the actions that's going to come out of that faith is if you truly have faith in the Lord, if you truly fear Him, and that fear will result in faith, it will result in a belief, it will result in, it is seen in, in faith and belief and hope in Him. And what you're going to see in your life, we'll see that those who fear the Lord serve the Lord. Okay, so last week, those who fear the Lord, what actions will we see in their life? They will praise the Lord. Today, if you fear the Lord, you will serve the Lord. And we're actually going to see this in several places, but the first we're going to see it is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Go down to verse 13. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Go down to verse 13. We'll look at 13 and 14. We'll look at 13 uh, here. We'll get into 14 in, in just a little bit, actually. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy 6. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. And what does that fear look like? Him you shall serve. And by His name you shall swear. If you fear the Lord, then what we will see in your lives is a service to Him. You will swear by Him. He, I mean, the Lord is going to be your ultimate standard. He's going to be your ultimate arbiter of, of truth. So if you fear the Lord, if you fear... So the Lord your God you fear, Him you serve. You fear Him, you serve Him. You fear Him, this is what we'll see in your life. You will serve the Lord. Now to understand what it means 
to serve the Lord, it's important for us to understand what that word is. The word there for serve is also the same word you're going to see uh, in your Hebrew Old Testaments and really in your Greek New Testaments as well, uh, is going to be the word for slavery. So it's the word used to describe like the, uh, like the, the Hebrews, the Jews, when they're in slavery to Egypt. This is the word that it, it used. So this, that's the idea. That's the word picture behind this. It, you and I, uh, if you fear the Lord, you are enslaved to God. Meaning, just that God is your master. Your, your life is given in service, in, in slavery to Him. To fear God is to be His servant. That's the level of service that we're talking about here. There's no tokenism, no token service here. It's not just saying, oh yeah, God's my master. You are serving Him. You are enslaving yourself to Him. If you're someone who fears the Lord, then the Bible is going to assume that if you fear the Lord, that you'll be serving the Lord. Because that's the natural result of fearing the Lord. If you fear the Lord, you're going to serve Him. Why? Because that is a fruit and has always been a fruit that fearing the Lord always bears. If you fear the Lord, you have faith in Him because of His uh, glory and His holiness, what is going to be a fruit that comes out of that inward reality is you will then serve a God so marvelous, so wonderful, so amazing. You see God is glorious. You've got faith in Him. You believe in Him. You hope in Him. So what are you going to do? You're going to serve Him. I mean, what else would you serve? The Bible certainly assumes if this is true of you, if you fear the Lord, then your life will be given in service to that God. The the Bible cannot imagine someone who fears the Lord and doesn't serve Him. In fact, if someone is not serving the Lord, it would be clear that the reason they're not serving the Lord is because they do not fear the Lord. Because if they feared the Lord, they'd certainly be serving Him. Listen to the Bible uh, assume uh, assume that, that servants of the Lord fear the Lord. Uh, listen to it. Assume that, that if you fear the Lord, uh, that you will serve Him. That to be His servant is to be someone who fears the Lord. Listen to Revelation chapter 19, verse 5. Revelation 19, verse 5. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you His servants. So praise our God, all you His servants, all you who are serving Him, you're His servants. Look at the next part. You who fear Him. Small and great. So again, praise our God, you who are His servants, and to be His servants means that you what? You fear Him. You are those who have faith in Him because you are amazed by His glory and His holiness. If that's true, what can He assume you'll be? Well, then of course you're going to be His servant. If you are a servant of the Lord, it is assumed that you fear the Lord. Deuteronomy, this is not new for Revelation. Deuteronomy chapter 10, 20 and 21. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. And by his name you shall swear. Very similar to Deuteronomy 6. But, but, but here, fear the Lord again, fear the Lord and serve him. Hold fast to him. Swear by his name. Again, the, the, the fear of the Lord uh, results in service. But a service, it's not just seen in, in, in our sort of bodily actions. It's seen down, down to our very words. Like in Deuteronomy 6, here again we see that, that Christians swear only by the name of Yahweh, only by the Lord. It's the only name they, they swear by. The Christian, the Christian does not take the Lord's name in vain, but the Christian very much does take His name. When a Christian swears to something, they swear by the Lord God. And they do that to show that God alone is the one they serve. God alone is the one they fear. 
If they swear by anything else, by heaven or by earth or whatever, they're really trying to swear by something that is less than the one they really fear. Now, part of this still resides in, in, in court systems and such. When you hear people say, you know, this is so, uh, the truth, so help you God. Where you're swearing by, and, and you're invoking the name of God. The reason we do that is, is, is to, to recognize, hey, you're swearing by the Lord's name that this is true. Look at verse 21, what it says in Deuteronomy 10. He is your praise. We saw saw that last week. He is your God who has done these great and terrifying, there's the word for fear again, I think it it should be translated awesome, great and awesome things that your eyes have seen. So you see God, you fear God, and so you serve God. You serve God alone in your actions and in your words. Those who fear the Lord will serve the Lord. They'll serve the Lord in their actions. They'll serve the Lord in their words. Every part of them will be given in service to Him. They will enslave themselves to God. They will give themselves willingly to one who is so amazing, so wonderful, so holy, so glorious. If we truly see God for who He is, that's the the faith, the belief, the hope that we will have in Him. We will say, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Holified to you. It's yours, because what would I do with it compared to you? Why would I not trust you with my life? Who else could I trust? So if we fear the Lord, that's what we'll do. Our lives will be given in service to Him, and the Bible expects that. This isn't something that's like, hey, super Christians, or hey, ministers give their lives in service to the Lord. No, this is expected of all. What did it say in Revelation 19? Small and great. Every single Christian, it's expected. Those, if you're servants of God, You fear him, you serve him, small and great, all of us, that's what we do. You fear the Lord, then you serve the Lord. You are enslaved to the Lord. He is your master. But we'll see that those who fear the Lord don't just serve the Lord, they serve the Lord alone. Meaning that you're not just saying, I'm serving the Lord, you're only serving the Lord. You're not serving anything else in this world, including yourself. Your service is to God and to God alone. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going we're to go past verse 13 this time. Into verse 14. What well, this means? It's, if, if we are in awe of God, like the fear of the Lord means, we serve Him, but we only serve Him. Uh, look at what it says. It's the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve. And by his name you shall swear. But let, look, at, look at how the passage continues in verse 14. You shall not. It's all right. You fear the Lord. What do you do? You serve him. Swear by his name and his name alone. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. If you fear the Lord, then what we see in our lives is a, is a service to him and a service to him alone. We swear by him alone. He is, again, our ultimate standard. And if that is true, then verse 14 is true, which is you do not give yourself to anything else. You do not give yourself to other gods. If we fear the Lord, we have one master, one person who directs your life. And it's not us, and it's not some other god. If we're serving the Lord, we are slaves of the Lord, and we serve Him, and we serve Him alone. Look at Joshua 24. This is that famous, that famous passage of Joshua's where he's like, as for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord, right? But look at what it says. Go down in verses 14 and 15. 
Joshua 24, 14 and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, and we know what's coming next, right? And serve him. Fear the Lord and serve him. So you fear him, you have faith in him, you're in all of his glory, his holiness. You fear the Lord. He is your God. You are his people. So what do you do? Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you fear the Lord, Joshua says, in line with what he heard from Moses, if, if you fear the Lord, then you serve the Lord. You do that in sincerity and in faithfulness. We'll talk about those words in just a second. But that also means, not only does it mean you serve the Lord, it means you don't serve any master. In fact, you get rid of any other master. You rid your house, in this case, sometimes quite literally, you rid your house of any other God, anything else that you would give your life to. You make sure. You don't, so in other words, you don't just do the positive of making sure, oh yes, I serve God. You look and make sure there, you do the negative as well, which is to make sure there's nothing else that you're serving. That there are no other gods that you have given your life to. No, there's nothing else that you're, that you're letting that be your master. You serve God and you serve God alone. You, you put away Whatever gods you used to serve, whatever gods your father served, whatever gods the people around you serve, those things you do not serve, meaning there will be temptations to serve whatever your parents taught you to serve by their good or bad examples. You know, my dad was like this, my mom was like that, and so that's how I'm going to be. You're basically just serving their God of a lack of self-control or indulgence or whatever, or, or the people around me, you know, all my friends, they talk about this. This is what's important to them. This is what they give their life to. This is how their lives are spent pursuing these things and that things then you end up serving these things, even in ways that cause you to not be able to serve the Lord like you know you should. What have you done? You're saying, I will serve the Lord, but I'll also serve this. This person will be my master. This person says, you do this on this day. Well, then I do that on that day. But the Lord says, you do this here. No, no, no. I've got other obligations, other things. You have other masters. The Lord says, if you serve the Lord, you are making sure. If you, if you fear the Lord, you're making sure that you serve the Lord and you're also making sure that you serve Him alone. Make sure that you do not stop short of that alone. Make sure that you do not think, well, I'll of course serve the Lord and not realize that you still got, like Rachel, you still got your household gods that you're holding on to. You're still holding on to these things. Make sure that you realize, if I if I'm truly am a slave of the Lord, if I truly fear him, if I have faith in him alone, if I hope in his steadfast love alone, and I, am, and I do that because I'm amazed by someone so glorious, so holy, there's nothing like him. If that is true, if you fear him like that, then you will serve him and you will make sure you serve nothing else. Because it would be foolish and it would be degrading for you to serve anything else. It'd be foolish because what are these things? Why would you trust them? Why would you give their lives to them compared to God? And, and it would be degrading because you'd be saying, yes, God, you're amazing, but this thing is just as amazing as you. 
Because in my life, I let both of you be my master. In my life, I'm putting you both on the same shelf. Now, I would never go around singing praises to this other thing, right? I don't think anybody's going to walk into your home and you're going to sing praises to these other things that have sort of taken your life, right? And you're like, oh, of course I only serve the Lord because I, I, I only go to church for the Lord, but it's what you give your life to. It's, what, it's who decides how you live. It's who is the master of your life. And those who fear the Lord, they make sure they serve the Lord and they make sure they're serving him alone. This is why Jesus says you cannot serve two masters, right? You cannot serve, you cannot serve two masters because part of serving the, the Lord is not just who you serve, but who you only serve. You, can't, you cannot be a slave to two masters. In the end, one of them will have you tr- your true heart. One of them you will love and one of them you will despise. One of them you will obey and one of them you will disregard. Eventually, the two masters will battle for, for, for control of your heart. And one of them will be the true master. So if you fear the Lord, you're going to make sure that that battle never takes place. Or you're going to realize that that battle's already been won. Because who, who could beat the Lord? What else would I have be my master? Who else could be my master? And so you will make sure there, there is only one master of your heart. If, if you fear the Lord, if you truly fear the Lord, if He's the most glorious and holy being in your life, if you, if you believe Him, if you, if, you, if you have your hope in Him, then you will give Him your life. And if you're giving your service to anything else, if it's true that you're serving him, but also serving anything else, if you're, if you're giving your service to anything else in life, it can only be because you actually think that thing is more glorious, more believable than he is. Or why else would you be doing what it says instead of what God says? The, the, the singularity of our service shows the sincerity of our fear. The, the singular nature of our service, and we serve Him and Him alone, shows how sincere our fear is. If we have real fear of the Lord, we will not serve anything else. It'd be impossible for anything to match who He is. 2 Kings 17. 2 Kings 17 is actually the most extensive chapter on fearing the Lord. Uh, fearing the Lord is all over the place, 2 Kings 17. Uh, fearing the Lord is... Worship of the Lord, but fearing the Lord is specifically also not worship of other gods. So not only do we make sure we serve Him, we make sure we don't serve and worship anything else. Look at 2 Kings 17.35. 2 Kings 17.35. The Lord made a covenant with them and commanded them, You shall not fear other gods or bow yourselves to them, or serve them, or sacrifice to them. So here again, we see the fear of the Lord tied to serving the Lord, worshiping the Lord, praising the Lord, all the, thing, all the things we've seen already. So here we've got praise, like we already talked about last week. Now we've added to that service, and here you see it. If you fear the Lord, what will you do? You'll worship Him, you'll praise Him, you'll also serve Him. But what else do we see? You do not fear the other gods. So you fear the Lord and you do not fear the other. You're specifically making sure you're not fearing the other. You do not worship them. You do not serve them. You do not sacrifice to them. Verse 36, but you shall fear the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt with great power, with an outstretched arm. You shall bow yourselves to him and to him you shall sacrifice. You don't fear them. You don't serve them. You don't enslave yourselves to them, but you do fear the Lord. He's the only one you bow down to. 
In fact, uh, this passage is actually in response to when Israel didn't do those things, when they didn't fear the Lord and instead serve the other gods. So go back in 2 Kings 17, back to verse 7. So we're going to see that this verse saying, hey, you don't do this. He's going to say, because that's what you guys did before. This is what happened before. So look at verse 7. And this, this is the, the exile of Israel, occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against their Lord, their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods and walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel and then the customs that the kings of Israel had practiced. And the people of Israel did secretly against the Lord their God things that were not right. So here it it says, look, Israel was sent into exile. Why? Because they feared other gods. They served these other gods. So that's why he says in verse 7, look, you do not do this. Don't serve these other gods around you. Don't serve them. Serve the Lord only because all of this exile that you're in, and hopefully we'll get out of all of this, comes from the fact that the people of God feared other gods. So we get this fear, this theme of the fear of the Lord being seen in, in service to God and in service to God uh, alone. In fact, great thing in 2 Kings 17 God won't even allow those who are not his people to serve other gods, especially in the promised land. So listen to what happens when the king of Assyria, when he repopulates Israel with people who do not fear the Lord. Listen to what happens. This is down in verse 24, 24 through 28. Listen to what happens when when you've got a people filling land who don't fear the Lord, what's the Lord going to do to make sure that they fear him and serve him? And the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, uh, Sepharavim, uh, and placed them in the cities of Samaria. So this is sort of the birth of the Samaritans. Instead of the people of Israel. So he puts all these people from these other nations into Israel instead of the Israelites. And they took possession of Samaria and lived in its cities. And at the beginning of their dwelling there, they what? They did not fear the Lord. So at the beginning of them living in the promised land, they didn't fear the Lord. So what's the Lord going to do? The Lord goes, well, they're not Jews, so it's not my fault. Not my problem, not my people. That's not what he does. What does he say? Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. Right? The Lord sent lions. They didn't fear the Lord. So you got these people that are Babylonians. They don't fear the Lord. They're just sitting here by the king of Assyria. He's just repopulated the land with them. And what does the Lord do? The Lord sends lions among them, which killed some of them. So the king of Assyria was told, the nations that you have carried away and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the law of the God of the land. Therefore, he has sent lions among them. And behold, they are killing them because they do not know the law of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, Send there one of the priests whom you carried away from there and let him go and dwell there and teach them the law of God, of the God of the land. So one of the priests whom they'd carried away from Samaria came and lived in Bethel and taught them how, what? How they should fear the Lord. So these people don't fear the Lord. So God teaches them to fear them. He uses lions, uh, He uses priests 
uh, in the end, which I think is, is a great warning in our lives. God will teach you to fear the Lord. Uh, your options are he will either use lions to teach you to fear him or he will use uh, priests. Uh, so, I, so I guess you better listen up today or there might be a lion when you get home. Uh, I don't know, uh, but the Lord will, will teach you. Like if anyone's like, hey, you won't believe it. Like so-and-so got eaten by a lion. I'd be like, well, I thought they were nodding on Sunday, but I don't want to say anything. Uh, no, not really, not really. We don't have lions around here. Who knows what it'll be. Uh, okay, so again, so we don't just serve the Lord. We don't just serve the Lord, though, because we have to. So here you got the people of God coming. The Lord's going to make sure people serve him, make sure they serve him alone. They come serving their gods. He says, no, 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 you're going to serve me. Uh, he uses lines to teach them. Finally, uses priests to teach them, teach them uh, his law. Uh, we serve the Lord, not just because we have to. We serve the Lord because he is the only one worthy of our fear. The reason we serve the Lord is because none of these other gods are worthy of that uh, honor and glory that we, we give to him. No, none of the others are worthy of our, of our faith, of our belief, of our hope. None of the others deserve us to stand in awe of them because all the other gods are worthless. Look at 1 Chronicles 16. 1 Chronicles 16, uh, 25 and 26. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all God. So you fear God and you fear only God. Why? For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. The, uh, the reason you make sure that you serve the Lord and serve the Lord alone is not just because the Lord has commanded it, but because it would be foolish to serve anything else. Because anything else you would give your life to is worthless. These other gods are worthless. So why would you fear them? Why would you serve them? Why would you enslave yourself to these worthless gods? So when we fear the Lord, not only do we serve him, we serve him alone. But what does that look like? Okay, so we say, hey, you've got to enslave yourself to God. You've got to fear the Lord, but only fear him. And we're looking at it and go, okay, well, what's that going to look like in my life? Because anyone, again, anyone can say they fear the Lord. Anyone can even say, oh, yes, I'm a slave to the Lord. Anyone can say, yes, I serve the Lord but what will that look like? What does the service of the Lord look like? And again, I'm so thankful that the Lord in his word doesn't just tell us to enslave ourselves to him. He says, and this is what that slavery will look like. This is what serving the Lord will actually look like. Look in 1 Samuel chapter 12. 1 Samuel chapter 12, 14 to 15. He tells us what does it look like if you really are serving the Lord. And what we're going to see is that those who serve the Lord not only do they serve the Lord and serve the Lord alone, they serve the Lord in obedience to Him. They serve the Lord by obeying Him. 1 Samuel 12, 14 and 15. If you will fear the Lord and serve Him and obey His voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord. And if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. So if you're truly a slave of the Lord, if you're truly serving the Lord, what will you do? What will that look like? Here, what does it say? You will obey his voice. You will obey his word and you will not rebel against it. You will obey his commands and you will not rebel against against them. If you do not obey the word of God, then you are not serving the Lord. You are not a slave to the Lord. What you are is a rebel. 
If you're not serving the Lord, it doesn't take him down from being Lord and King. What it does is it changes who you are. If you're not serving the Lord, it doesn't change who he is. It just changes who you are. It doesn't make him less glorious. It doesn't knock him off his throne. He's like, oh no. You know, I was so glorious and now I'm not. I mean, he's not Tinkerbell here. Or we all have to believe in him and like clap five times and then God's really magnified. What this is, is he is Lord. He is still God like that. What it's doing, though, is it's showing if you do not obey his voice, it doesn't change who he is, it changes who you are. What you are doing is you are not a slave, you are a rebel. I mean, so it says you, you uh, serve him, obey his voice, and do not rebel against the commandments of God. So the options here, when it, when it comes to our lives, is, is we as Christians, if you really fear him, and we, and we, and we, if, you're, if you fear the Lord, if you have faith in him, you're either going to serve him, but if you're not serving him, it's not that you're just doing some banal existence. You're not just coasting through life. If you're not serving the Lord, the other option is rebel. I mean, so that's what I want, to, I want to understand, because again, we'll set the bar so low and be like, I'm not really a slave to him, but I'm not one of those bad guys either. None of those people living this life. And we'll fill out that blank however we want to fill it out. We'll find whatever sin we, we really want to be grievous, which is normally the one we don't do. So we, we, we find that and say, oh, these are the real bad guys. No, the Bible says you either fear the Lord, meaning you serve him, you're enslaved to him, serving him the way he says, or you are a rebel. That's the choice, Christian. You either, you either serve the Lord or you are rebelling against him. The way to, to see where you fall isn't, isn't by just your sort of fear announcements but your fear actions, you do what he says. You don't just say, oh, I'm a, I'm a slave to the Lord. Oh, I fear the Lord. It's not just announcing your fear of the Lord. It's, it's seen in your life. And what specifically does he say here? What is the most basic definition of someone being your master? The most simple, basic definition is you do what they say. You do what they say. And if the Lord is your master... How in the world can you say the Lord is your master if you don't do what he says? I mean, that's as simple as it gets. Now, again, that doesn't change the Lord being your master. He's still your master. What it makes you is a rebel against your master. He's the one, he is Lord of all. And that includes Lord of you, whether you're rebelling or not. But here's the thing. If you, if you say you fear the Lord, if you say you have faith in him, but you're not serving him, what you're doing is you're rebelling. If you're not obeying him, I mean, this is the lowest bar of slavery here. The lowest bar is, if you fear the Lord, what do you do? You just obey his word. Just do what he says. Not even do what Chris says. Not even do what Zach says. What you do is you do what your master says. You obey his commandments and you do not rebel against them. If you fear the Lord, what will you do? You will serve him. What will that service look like? It will look like obedience. Uh, those who fear the Lord serve the Lord and that service is obedience. They will obey him. What he says they will do. But again, this service of the Lord is not just born out of some innate, you know, sort of uh, terrifying nature of the Lord. We don't just serve the Lord. Uh, th- this service doesn't create a fear of the Lord. It's a result of the fear of the Lord. It, it, it's not the seed, it's the, the fruit. So it shouldn't surprise us then when we see 
that, that this service to God born out of our fear of the Lord is to be done with all our heart. So those who fear the Lord, they serve the Lord, they serve the Lord alone, they serve the Lord by obeying Him, and they serve the Lord wholeheartedly. They serve the Lord with all their heart. Look at back at 1 Samuel 12. I told you we were going to come back here, and I'm sure that made you really excited. I'm sure you were like, what? We get to come back here? Uh, and you probably have had your finger there the whole time. Well, now go ahead and flip back to 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. Look at what it says. Only fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things God has done for you. So we only fear the Lord. Our fear is not to be spread around. We fear the Lord and no one else. We've kind of seen that with the, we other, with the other gods. And, and we've seen that we, we serve him. Well, this service is to be done what? With all our hearts. And th- throughout scripture, when we see someone who fears the Lord, their lives are given to God in service and to him alone. Not just part of them, all of them is given to the Lord. Their allegiance is to him. Their heart and their lives, everything about them is going to, he doesn't just drag them into service. They're not just like sort of crushed under the weight like God is some sort of Pharaoh master. This is, a, this, is a, this is a willful, joyful service because there's no one like him. It's this genuine service to the Lord. Are we slaves, Lord? Yes, but again, this is not some begrudging service to God that we do. We are in awe of God and our service is freely given to one so glorious and holy. I mean, we believe in him. We have faith in him. We hope in him. So when the Bible talks about serving the Lord, it's not just done outwardly, but done inwardly. So Joshua 24, 14 says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. This, is, this passage is good for, for a couple reasons. One, again, we see fearing the Lord means enslaving yourself to him alone. One master, put away any others. But two, it shows us that our service is done in sincerity and faithfulness. He says, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him how? What does our service look like? What, is it, what does our slavery to the Lord look like? He says, serve the Lord in sincerity and in faithfulness. Those, the, those words in the Hebrew imply the first one, that we do it, that we do it completely. Fully. That's the word for sincerity. There. It's the word for completeness. You do something fully. You do something to the end. This is no half-hearted serving of the Lord. This is no semi-fear. If we fear the Lord, we serve Him with all our heart. We serve Him completely. We serve the Lord completely. So if you're going to say, I serve the Lord, to serve the Lord, you have to serve him completely. That, in, that, that insincerity there is, is the idea of completeness. You serve him completely. And we do so faithfully. This comes from the word, uh, the word for truth. We serve him in truth. It is a true service. It is a real service. Meaning it is possible to say you fear the Lord and for that to not be a true service. For you to say you fear him and to even do things that might make people think that you fear the Lord and that you're serving him, but you're not truly serving him. You are lying. The fear of the Lord results in 
true service, one that is not just outward, that everyone might look at and say, oh, that person is such a servant of the Lord. That person obviously fears the Lord. Look, because they serve Him. He said, look, if you're serving the Lord, you will serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness, in truth. It'll be a true service. Not just one that you do because you're afraid that everyone else is going to think bad about you if you weren't doing these things, right? Oh, I'm doing what, I'm doing what the Lord says. Uh, it's in his word. Look, they're obeying the Lord. Man, that's real. they must be a, have a real fear of the Lord. They must really be a servant of the Lord. But you know whether or not you're doing it in, in truth. And again, all of this is done not just completely, not just in truth, but with joy. Psalm chapter 2, verse 11. Psalm chapter 2, verse 11. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Serve with fear, rejoice with trembling. A little Hebrew parallelism here. Here again, we see that the fear of the Lord, serving the Lord, they're tied together, but also we get our emotions tied to this fear in the Lord. How is it done? You rejoice in your trembling. You rejoice in your... Now, this, this verse could have fit, at least on the outside of what we talked about last week. Your fear of the Lord is going to result in a praise of God. But the word rejoice here is a little bit more than that. It's not so much about, you know, sing a praise song to the Lord. The word for rejoice here comes from a word that means to spin. Yeah, but that would just be a weird translation. Like serve the Lord with fear and spin with trembling. Uh, it'd be like, uh, I mean, that'd be, it's a, it's a pretty interesting word picture. Uh, rejoice in fear, uh, spin and trembling. But again, this, the, the idea, idea here is that this fear and trembling before the Lord is, is not just a fear of being consumed by God. It's not just sort of this heavy holiness. There is a delight in your trembling. There is a delight in your, in your fear. It is a rejoicing. It, is a, it causes you to spin. It causes you to delight. There is a, this joy to our fear and therefore a joy in our service. We tremble before someone so glorious and holy. We cannot believe it. And yet this holiness and glory causes us great joy. We are in fear of him. We are in awe of him. And we wouldn't change anything about that. There is a great joy in our fear of the Lord uh, so that we are rejoicing even in our trembling. So when we fear the Lord inwardly, then, then outwardly we serve Him and Him alone. We serve Him completely. We serve Him truthfully. We serve Him joyfully. And, and those are good measures for your service. But again, measures we can't know, but you do. I mean, we can see your service, but we can't see your heart. And, and maybe it's time for the the, the fear of the Lord to, to grow in you both inwardly and outwardly. I mean, if you, you know if you fear Him, you need to serve Him. And maybe that conviction has grown. But maybe you see that, that for that service to grow, then you've got to nourish the roots of that service. Which means you need to make sure that, that you serve Him, but you do it completely and truthfully, and you do it in joy. Those who fear the Lord serve the Lord, but we must use God's definitions of what it means to serve Him. Because there are people all over the Lord who will say they have all over the world saying they have given their life in service to the Lord, but their definition of service does not match up with His. You fear the Lord when you're enslaved to the Lord, when you're enslaved to the Lord alone, when you're enslaved to the Lord, when you serve Him in obedience, and when you serve Him wholeheartedly. Do I fear the Lord? 
Well, do you serve him? And do you serve him like that? That's the question. So what can we do with this? Here's a couple of applications and things we need to take from this text. The things that we said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. What must we do? Well, we've learned, if you fear the Lord, you must be his slave. Christian, if you fear the Lord, you must be his slave. If you are not, you are a rebel. You are a rebel against your master. Those are your options. You fear the Lord, then you must serve him. Are you God's slave? Do you even want to be? Do you even want to be? When when I mention being a slave to God, when I mention giving your life in service to him, does your heart sort of rise up and try and quickly redefine what it means to be a servant of the Lord, which normally you just redefine it to whatever you're doing right now? Or do you say, I want to serve you, Lord. Now, what do you say that service looks like? Because if you let it be you defining the service, then who's really the master? You are. You're the one you're living as if you're the master. You're just being a rebel against the Lord, but you're living as if you're the master. If you fear the Lord, then you will serve the Lord and you'll serve the Lord uh, alone. So you must, you must, if you're going to fear the Lord, you must serve the Lord. If you fear the Lord, Christian, you must obey the word of God. You must obey the word of God. If you fear the Lord, that's what you must do. You cannot say you are God's servant. You cannot say, oh, I am a slave of the Lord if you do not obey his word. That's the lowest bar for service. That's the lowest bar for slavery is doing what your master tells you. If you're not obeying the word of God, Christian, then you do not fear him. You do not have faith in him because you're in all of his glory and holiness. Those are not true. If you're not obeying the Lord, then you do not fear the Lord. And if you do not fear the Lord, then you are certainly not ready for whatever spiritual attacks the evil one might bring your way. You cannot be. You are a city without walls. If you look at your life and there are things that the Lord has told you to do and you are not doing them, things that your Lord, your master has told you to do or told you to stop doing and you have not stopped doing them, you are a city without walls or at least with mighty gaps in the partitions. Because you, if you're not serving him, then you do not fear him. And what does a good soldier do? A good soldier strives to please the one who's enlisted him. And the one who's enlisted us has told us, you want to know what pleases me? When you fear me. And if you fear him, you will serve him. If you're not serving the Lord, if you're not obeying him, then you are not ready for the temptations that will come your way. You must serve the Lord by obeying his word. Are there any areas in your life you know right now either I am disobeying or I have disobeyed and never confessed my rebellion? Obedience is is not just a necessity for us as His servants. It is security. It is a defense against the evil one. In our obedience, we find the deliverance from evil that we have so asked for. And lastly, I would say, you need to make sure that you're serving the Lord both on the outside and the inside. I love these inward descriptions. 
of what it means to serve the Lord, that you serve Him completely, you serve Him truthfully, you serve Him joyfully. It would be good of you to ask yourself all of those questions. Because you might be saying, yes, I serve the Lord, I serve the Lord alone, I make sure I don't serve any other gods, I'm obeying His word, I'm doing all these things, but those are all outside sort of things. Inwardly, are you serving Him like this? Are you serving the Lord completely, like it said? Or are there areas in your life that you're, if you're honest, you're saying, you know, I'm not a slave. I'm not a slave to the Lord in, in, in this area. Or there are areas that, that I choose, uh, that I choose how I'm going to live. So, so maybe you say, oh, I give to God this area and this area and this area and this part of my life and that part of my life. And, and as you do that, it might sound like a thousand thises. But if there is one area in your life that you say, but not this. then your service and therefore your fear is not complete. He says, serve the Lord in completeness. Serve him in sincerity is how the ESV translated it. Serve him completely, really mean it and mean it all the way. Is there an area that you say, Lord, you are not my master here. Or at least you're not living like he's your master there. Is there any area of your life where you are a rebel, then you are not serving him completely? Maybe you need to look at your life and it's not the completeness aspect. Maybe it's the truthfulness. Maybe on the outside, it seems like no one would deny that you serve the Lord. But when you look at your life, could you say that it is true service, that your service goes down into your bones, that it's born out of your heart, that it's, that it's real that you're not just dressing like a slave for everybody else to see. That you're not just doing those things so that you can fit in at a church. Or you're doing these things because you don't have a lot of friends. And here you finally found a place where they really want to be your friend. And you can really fit in. And all you have to do is start doing this thing and that thing and showing up on Sundays. And everyone's going to think, hey, you're wearing the slave outfit too. And you're like, yeah. But on the inside, you know you don't mean it. You know you're just lonely or just looking for acceptance, or just looking for a place to belong, or just looking for a way to ease the guilt that you feel. But you're not really a slave in your heart. I think all of us need to look at our service to the Lord and say, do I mean this? Do I want to be His slave? Not just on the outside, but on the inside. Is He a master that I adoringly bow down to? Which gets to our next thing. Maybe for us, the root problem for our services is one of joy. Do you serve the Lord with joy? I mean, you're supposed to serve the Lord with such joy that it it causes you to spin. Now, we are not going to start adding spinning to our song service. uh, But the idea holds true, right? Or, Or God would have used a different word than the word for spin. And it's not like God didn't know that one day there'd be Pentecostals or anything like that. Uh, we recognize that, hey, the Lord says, spin. I mean, this is the level of heartfelt rejoicing. It's as if you're spinning with trembling. It's such a great word picture. Our Lord really knows how to use words. Uh, it is such a great picture that you're trembling in that way. But as you tremble, you are rejoicing. There's rejoicing in your trembling. A joy that is as if on the inside you are, you are spinning. There should be a gladness, even a giddiness to our Christian service. 
being a slave should bring us great joy. Well, how do you know if it brings you great? Are you constantly kicking against the goads of the Lord's goading? When the Lord goads you to do this or that, are you constantly kicking against the goads? Because the Lord's telling you, he's like, oh, I don't want to do that. Are you, we cannot perpetually be teenage Christians, right? Where every time the Lord says to do something, we go, oh, can it be something else? I'm going to keep reading till I get to a passage that is something that I really want to do. And then I will do that. Like when your kids are going through their to-do list and they're like, nope, 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 no. Oh, I want to do that one. I call this one. I get to do that one. And you say, no, 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 you do this. Uh. Is, that, is that what you're like to the Lord? Or is there a joy in the church? When the Lord tells you, my people who are called by my name, they live like this. And you go, yes, yes, and amen. That is what I will do. And I will do it with joy because it will show that I am your people and you are my God. We truly fear the Lord, then we will serve Him with joy. Is there joy in your service? Or can you say, you know what? A lot of times He's having to pull the service out of me. We must serve with joy. There should be joy even in our slavery. All right, let's pray. We've given you things to look at, things to think about. You must be a slave of the Lord. Can you honestly say to God that you are uh, His servant? That He has your life? That you are His slave? Are you serving Him alone? Or are there other things in your life that are grasping for your attention, grasping for your devotion? That you will gladly give up things that God tells you to do because you really want to do those things. Those things are dangerous masters. Ready to make you a rebel? Are you obeying the Lord? Service to God is seen in obedience to Him. Are there things in your life that you should be doing that you know your master has told you to do and you're just not and you're still not? Are you living in rebellion? Are there things that you know you should stop doing and you're still not stopping doing them? You continue to do what He's told you not to do. That is not service to the Lord, which means you do not fear the Lord, which means you have opened yourself up to spiritual attack of all sorts of kinds. On the inside, is your service done completely? Is it done all the way? Does he, have, does he have your service in every area of your life? Or you're looking and saying, search the corners of my heart, Lord? Or are you trying to hide things in the corners of your heart? Are you trying to put things in closets you hope he doesn't look and passages you hope you never read? Or you hope you don't remember? Are you serving him truthfully? Are you just putting on the outfit of servant of the Lord? Are you just putting on the costume so that everyone else will think you're great? Everyone else will think you're a servant, but you know. You know it's not true. Repent. Quit being a rebel and serve Him. See His glory. See His holiness and serve Him in faith. Stand in awe of Him and do what He says. And do so joyfully. Has your service to the Lord been one of joy? Maybe you've been sort of just grinding out your service. Just, just knuckling down and doing what your master tells you to do. But you are not rejoicing in your trembling. Listen, there is, there's, there, is, there is some good in knuckling down and doing what your master says, whether you want to do it or not. There is good in that. You can read the household codes by Paul. and No, it's good when we obey our masters, even when we don't want to. 
But when the Lord tells you to do something, pray that not only would you do it, but that the Lord would give you a heart that rejoices in the doing. That serves Him because you love serving Him. Serves Him joyfully. That you fear the Lord and you rejoice in your trembling. May the Lord grow your fear and may He grow your joy. Father, we come to you today, you and we, we are in awe of you, even with our heads bowed now, Father. We are bowing down before you, just as you told your people to bow down before you and not to these other gods, Father. We bow before you, one who is so holy, uh, so glorious, Father. We are amazed at who you are. And so we are here in faith, in worship. We believe you. We hope in all that you have said. We have gathered together because there's no God like you. And Father, our desire is that that fear that we have, would be seen in our lives. Seen in, like we saw last week, in the praise that, that truly this week, the volume of our praise would have been louder because we realized that how loud we are shows how much we think of you. And so since our value of you has grown, our volume should have grown. And so, Father, may, you, may, you, may, may we have been obedient to what we saw last week. You told us over and over, we fear you, we will praise you. Father, may that be the first way we check our rebellion. We saw last week, you tell us over and over the value and importance of praise and the reality of praise in your people. Did we obey that? Or are we already rebelling right off the bat? And so, Father, today we come and we ask, God, that we would be your slaves, that we would serve you, that we would not rebel against you. That because we fear you, Father, that we would lay our lives down as living sacrifices in light of all that you've done for us, all that you are and all that you've done would cause us to give our lives to you. Our lives that are ours only because they've already been bought with a price by Christ. I mean, we're all here. We're claiming that we are Christians. We're claiming that we bear his name. We know that the lives that we have come solely from him, that we have been reborn with new lives. How can we hold on to them as if they are ours? Rebels. Father, teach us to serve you, to serve you alone, to serve you in obedience, and to serve you wholeheartedly, completely, Truthfully, joyfully. Master, teach us those things for our good and for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.